0: You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast series with Executive Women's Forum. Today's host is Candace Camp. Candace Camp is a senior director of Cybersecurity Insider Threat Program at GE. Candace has developed a robust and leading edge insider threat program. She has developed the strategic vision for insider threat and has developed it as a product protecting 300,000 employees and $1.22 billion in revenue. Her passion for the protection of intellectual property has led her to be a thought leader in the space, baselining with industry peers, leading industry task forces, and most importantly, developing a talented team of investigators. Today, we also have our guest speaker, Katie Kennedy. Katie Kennedy is the director of Cybersecurity Insider Threat Program at GE. Katie is responsible for driving the vision, strategy, and execution of GE Aviation's Insider Threat and Data Protection Program. Under her leadership, GE Aviation stood up its first ever cross-functional Insider Threat Task Force designed to detect, investigate, and mitigate risk for the company. Katie has previously led organizations such as GE Women's Network, Detroit Hub, and is dedicated to building a pipeline of women in IT through mentorship and career guidance. Thank you
1: for joining us today to discuss the world of insider threat detection and prevention. My name is Candace Camp, and I lead the Insider Threat Program for GE Corporate. I have with me one of my esteemed colleagues, Katie Kennedy, who leads the insider threat program for our aviation business. Thank you for joining me today, Katie. Thank you for having me. To kick things off, let's level set with everyone. Katie, what would the term insider threat encompass in your mind?
2: So in my mind, the term insider threat represents a security risk that originates from inside an organization. So you have the individuals involved in the incident as well as the nature of the incident itself. So as far as the people, I would categorize actors as those involved either being witting or unwitting in the sense that you have people who have malicious intent and they're abusing their legitimate access or privileges for personal you know gain and then you you have those who are unwitting in the sense that maybe they've made a mistake which can then be exploited or otherwise can lead to compromise so when you think about the nature of the incident itself we see that insider can take many different forms ranging from theft of IP fraud, sabotage of OT or IT systems, and even physical threat, so things like workplace violence and terrorism, which unfortunately are, you know, real concerns within global companies, so the scope is is huge, and that makes it a challenge to develop a program to encompass the wide range of, of things that we see.
1: I agree. Um, To truly define what an insider threat is, you need a program that can at least assist in each of these things. I know our programs generally focus on theft of intellectual property and primarily on digital systems. Uh, There are many examples of this type of activity, and it's grown significantly in the past several years. Two of the most famous would be um, Edward Snowden or Chelsea Manning. You know, these examples of leaks of classified information that were matters of national security, we've seen more recent examples such as that case at MD Anderson Cancer Research Center in which three scientists were fired and accused of stealing biomedical research data. If you look across the media, you see lots of what's being targeted or seen as high value by cyber criminals or nation states, as a matter of fact, Uh, pharmaceuticals, chemicals, source code, financial data, customer data, credentials, blueprints, schematics, research, and uh, critical infrastructure data. Katie, what are some examples or trends that you and your team are seeing?
2: So... We've really been learning a lot, and especially, you mentioned nation-state threats, right? So we're learning a lot about our nation-state-sponsored adversaries. Um, So these are the organizations that have known motivations to acquire technical capability, and oftentimes that's that's done through cyber and espionage tactics. So, I mean, at the most basic level, I mean, the end game there is, is to get hands on our IP. And when you think about the business, right, within aviation, we've got years of research and development invested in our technology. We're, we're leaders in the aviation industry. We have the brightest and the most qualified engineers and scientists working on our engines. And if someone is looking to advance an industry without having to put all that work in, that's extremely enticing. So we're seeing an uptick, certainly, of, of sophisticated tactics to extract our IP, and some of the, the more challenging ones to combat involve the non-technical or the human elements, right? So things like targeted social engineering and, you know, the pervasive use of, of social media, including LinkedIn, to target our employees that are known to be experts in the field, right? So reaching out to these individuals, cultivating a relationship with them, slowly and methodically extracting desired information from them over the course of of a period of time right so often we'll see that outreach to our employees under the guise of a university presentation to get that that person to travel and present at a conference and and maybe during that trip then they're introduced to individuals with not so great motivations right and then our employee may be influenced to do things that maybe they wouldn't normally do including the sharing of over IP. So we're finding that the human elements of some of these tactics are definitely much harder to, to get ahead of and wrap our heads around.
1: So with the scope and prevalence of this issue, how should companies think about how to structure their programs to even begin to tackle this issue?
2: That's a really good question. So scope to me is is, is the issue, right? You can't operate in a vacuum if you want to make an impact cover the breadth of, of this problem. So we've actually made some really great progress by standing up an insider threat task force that has representation across many different functions, including cyber, where my team sits. But we also have representation in global security, HR, legal, privacy, labor employment, compliance, engineering, right? So as a task force, we're all working together as, as as a cohesive team on the end-to-end investigation. So finding support and champions across the different functions of your business and organization is absolutely critical, and making sure that the teams are communicating cross-functionally throughout the the entirety of that investigation as well.
1: So I know. Um... In our our day-to-day lives it's really easy to get siloed and kind of stick to your reporting structure and talk to your peers how how did you go about achieving getting buy-in from all of these different organizations
2: so we were kind of forced to I mean we unfortunately did experience an incident that was, I'd say, the the driving force behind our idea for the task force. So prior to this, as you you mentioned, we were a bit siloed or segmented, right? So each of the different functions worked on their piece of the investigation um, and kind of handed it off to the next person in line to do their part, right? So we could have probably done a better job of talking to each other throughout the entire life cycle of the case. I'd say we probably weren't connecting dots. Like, we should have been, we weren't informing each other on each part of our, you know, process with with our learnings, right, as the case progressed. So our wake-up call, so to speak, um, was this case, and it did open our eyes to the breadth of the issue. So you need to consider where your IP is housed and protected, what controls are in the environment, what detection should be in place, you know, the human elements, um like the the social engineering tactics we've we've talked about and that we've seen the adversary use how do we also care and feed for the relationships that we have with external law enforcement what do our relationships with our jvs or our third parties that that have access to our data what what do those relationships look like what is the education we need to be delivering to our employees about about the risk right so policies and procedures what ups, what updates should be made there it's it's such a complex problem with so many different moving pieces that it, the pieces that are owned by so many different functions you know you can't effectively move the needle without talking to one another so i'd say we experienced an unfortunate incident that that got us talking but in the end i think we're much better for it
1: that's, that's good. It's so critical whenever you're developing a new program or building or maturing an existing one to build those relationships across the organization. Some of the most beneficial relationships we have across the business are with legal, HR, privacy, labor and employment, and global security, much like you. Uh, with the indications indicators of insider threats being so broad, these things could come from a multitude of sources. Uh, we sit in the cyber world, so we'd see indicators like data moving to personal email or to removable media. Um, If someone were acting in a concerning or hostile manner, that may never come across our desk, but may be a huge indicator that they would They may become a threat. So that behavior, while not noticed by us, might be noticed by a manager and reported to HR, to global security. So if we didn't have those relationships built, we may not see the individual threatening or threatening to ruin a project, and then being able to correlate that with sending of project files to an unknown or personal email address. And those two things need to be detected together to really have that context of the risk. Um, Katie, we've talked a little bit about what an insider is and how to go about forming a unit to detect and prevent insiders. What are some key steps that companies can take to establish an insider threat program?
2: That is a great question. So, there are lots of things, probably the the first thing that comes to mind um, as a cornerstone of any insider threat program is, is to make sure you've got policies. And procedures in place that, that provide clear direction to your employees. You know, they need to know what's allowed and expected from them and what's not, right? So in the event that you have an insider incident um, within your organization, without being able to point to a policy to support your stance that, you know, something has occurred, um, you you may find yourself in a very challenging legal situation.
1: No, absolutely.
2: Um, yeah, another one that I, I keep
1: hearing over and over again at different conferences or talking to peer groups, as well as um, trends we've seen within our own organizations that training and awareness is critical. So like like I mentioned, and you have too, there's signs of insider threat that would never show up on an digital system. So those are things that need to be identified by an individual's peers or leadership. And they need to know what to do with those things. So sudden changes in behavior disappearing for days on end, threatening, intimidating speech, access of other employees' machines, etc. That type of behavior needs to be reported. Uh, to HR, to your ethical reporting, um, to whatever um, whatever capability your company has set up for this type of security alerting, and it's critical to train your employees at what those types of risks present to your organization. Uh, it is critical to trade them on why blocks are in place. If an employee doesn't know why uh, uploading to Gmail is blocked, for example, they tend to think it's a bug or a flaw in the system and try to find ways to bypass it. Then they're inadvertently bypassing security controls and potentially violating company policy. So, training them on what behavior is risky and why, and what types of blocks are in place um, is critical, and even uh, you can use those blocks to provide ad hoc training as well so rather than just have uh, gmail blocked for example you may have a pop-up that says sending critical data to your personal email represents a risk because dot 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 Um, So those blocks can also aid in training. Now, I hear everyone saying that training and awareness are critical and so important, but it's often one of the most difficult things for companies to really um, feel good about, like get to the point where they're comfortable with. And there's always a desire for more, it seems.
2: Yeah, I totally totally agree. I mean... Training awareness, it's foundational to any insider threat program. I, I'd say, you know, most people are going to fall into that category of unwitting, right? And, and making a mistake that could lead to compromise. You know, people generally aren't intentionally putting the company at risk, right? So getting ahead of that by providing training and awareness to folks, right? People are just trying to get their jobs done. They don't necessarily understand how some of these actions could be risky. For the company, so I totally agree. The uh, the other thing I'd say um, that you'd need to consider would be access, right? So access control and identity. I mean, this is like as basic security as you can get, but it still can be pretty challenging for some organizations. So, I mean, overall, people should be restricted to only the data they need to do their job. You know, over provisioning. Um, can very quickly result in data loss. I'd also say you you need to be able to map accounts to individuals. So things like shared accounts, service accounts, those can present challenges if they're not managed correctly. So there needs to be tracking of accounts and and solid password management, right? So for example, if your users have the ability to create local accounts on their machines, there needs to be a mapping of those accounts to the machines and to the actual unique user, right? So when, when you're talking about concerning behavior and potentially impacting someone's livelihood or employment, you, you really need to be able to attest at the fact that you know, you know what user is performing the concerning action.
1: Absolutely. You know, I'll add... Since we're in the cyberspace, uh, systems and tools tend to be our bread and butter as well. So having a DLP tool that gives you granular visibility into data movement is huge. And being able to correlate that data against other data sets provides you with more context so ideally having a user entity behavior analytics tool or a UEBA tool is best as it can allow you to look for anomaly based signature based and identity based indicators so in layman's terms you could create an alert when an individual downloads a file from a critical server and then blind carbon copies it to their personal email address and if they happen to be on some sort of HR corrective action and they're uploading their resume to competitors website sites. Each of those things in and of themselves might be risky, but having that full picture together and the totality of those triggers really uh, provides infinitely more value and context than the others. Um, We're also able to look for anomalies in a user's behavior. So if they they email two files a day every day for six months and then one day they email 300, that may be something that we'd want to look into.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. So another thing that, that comes to mind as is an item for consideration would, would be a solid case management tool. So we talked earlier about all the different people that are involved in investigation across all the different functions, right? So managing and tracking the work being done on any given case and all those different moving pieces, that's a lot of balls in the air and to be able to know who is doing what is is key to staying organized and especially when you're in the throes of an impactful investigation where everybody's moving really quickly um so this would also help from an evidence tracking perspective too right so when we talk about legal admissibility in the event that some of our cases do in fact end up in court you have to be able to represent that what you've done is in accordance with, with any regulations or privacy implications as well. So when you have multiple groups involved, you know, a case management tool is gonna to help you relay information in a consistent way and and lessens the chance of being lost or forgotten as well, right? And and adds a sense of accountability to the process.
1: It makes a lot of sense uh, in the real world there's always leadership that needs to be updated on an ad hoc basis and to be able to log into a case management tool at any given point point. Uh, really allows you to relay the current status of an investigation which i found extremely valuable
2: yeah definitely definitely another element that that i would say that would be critical for for an insider program is your relationship with external law enforcement so making sure that you have a strong relationship with these external entities I mean some of our most egregious and impactful cases that we've worked as a task as a task force have been brought to us in the form of Intel from external agencies um, you know sometimes about our employees involvement in compromising activities that occur outside of our four walls of GE right so When you think about indications of risk and the different forms that they can take, to your point earlier, not all of those can be fed necessarily into, you know, a a digital alerting system. So you you really do need to care for and feed those relationships with these external partners because there's a lot of value to be realized there, especially when you're trying to paint the broader picture of risk in your organization and understand that, that... true risk landscape that you're up against
1: absolutely the other important item to make sure you have in place is knowing where your critical information is so what is your critical information landscape understanding what technology is used is uh, important to protect and mapping out where the information resides in your systems and ensuring you have a policy to dictate how that data should be protected um, is critical you know from an application as well as a user perspective. So insider threat prevention, like we've discussed, um, it's a holistic system. And it includes training and awareness, it includes physical security, cybersecurity, operational security, and open reporting system and culture. Now, corporate culture is a significant influencer in the success of a program and a big indicator of what challenges you may face when building a program. How integral your security or your cybersecurity organization is in the company is important. For example, there are companies where Believe it or not, cybersecurity groups are seen as a roadblock for the rest of the organization. Other companies see them as partners or enablers. So security by design is part of some organizations and an afterthought in others. Government and financial organizations, for example, may have a higher level of security as part of their corporate culture due to the nature of the work and the data that they they hold, as well as the regulatory requirements that may have been drilled into all of the employees. Now, if you look at this versus an academia, where open and collaborative culture is often seen as a key to success, you may design a program very differently in these two different environments. You know, the ultimate goal of any insider threat program is to protect the company and the jobs, specifically the jobs of all the employees that contribute their hard work and expertise and personal commitment to the company.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with the ultimate goal that you've described. In order for, you know, GE to be competitive in the market, we have to protect our IP. Right. And in and, and doing so, we're securing those jobs of our employees. So if we lost the te- if we lost that technology, we would have no product to sell. And that's op- opposite of what we're trying to do. So <laughs> Candace, most people listening to this are probably not building or working in an insider threat organization. So why should they care? You know, ultimately, it's
1: important to know that the threat is real. Um, you've heard the term "see something, say something." There are signs of insider threat, like we've said, that never show up in a digital system. These indicators are things that that you, as individual peers, would need to report. Um, it's so difficult. We people by nature hate reporting other people, especially their coworkers and friends, um, especially when they don't have real evidence of wrongdoing, but these sudden changes in behavior or, you know, hostile or threatening tones or, um, you know, things that just don't feel right could be indicators of a greater risk. Um, And reporting those to the right teams to investigate can only help the situation if they're not, if there's no wrongdoing, it's not gonna harm those individuals. Um, So I would just say that be aware, be on the lookout. And if you see this type of behavior, report it to your internal reporting system or HR or your cybersecurity team.
2: All right, I would echo your statement, right? So if you see something say something. Data protection needs to be part of our day-to-day operations of of any company, right? It has to be top of mind for everyone. And I think sometimes employees can feel like cyber, like you said, right? Or things we're doing from an insider threat perspective when we roll out new controls, for example, you know, reasons behind why we do what we do may not always resonate. So uh, the threat is real. and. our teams experience that every day through the cases we work and the things that we see and for others who are just trying to get their job done it can get lost or feel like we're just making their jobs harder so standing up a program like what we talked about here today with with policy education training awareness in addition to those technical controls right you can hopefully help everybody come together and realize that ultimate goal that We're trying to stay competitive and we're trying to protect the company. And in doing so, we're protecting the jobs of all of our employees. Great. Thanks so much, Katie, for talking with me today. Thank you for having me.